As the days are getting shorter and the weather is getting colder, sometimes it's good to warm up with some pretty heavy music and just relax. You know, this is a good chance just to take stock and to maybe revisit a couple of those albums that you let simmer over the summer. So let's take that kind of energy with us in today's episode of The Metalhead. Welcome, everybody. I am your one host, Michael Michelle. And I'm the other one. It's Grace. Hello. Hello, Grace. Um, yeah, I, I want to start with the question of the day, which is, what are, what are we listening to? What have you been bopping to? I mean, I've been focusing, I think, on all the King Gizzard lately. That's been, uh, <laughs> that's definitely been the, the focal point. Um, listening to new albums and diving into some, some older stuff as well. Um, I, I think it's hard to kind of pin down anything anything specific. Mm. Um, I guess one album outside of that I've been listening to a lot has been The Crowned from Shea May Dorval, which is like mm. an entirely different uh, sort of vibe. You know, it's not metal, it's not really prog. It's, uh, yeah, a kind of solo melancholic pop album, I guess is one way of describing it. Um mm-hmm. But it's been interesting to see what she's done on her own. Um, many people probably know her as one of the vocalists that's collaborated with Devon Townsend over the years. Oh. So um, yeah, I've been I've been spinning her uh, her album that came out this year quite a bit recently because I got to see her live as well. So oh. yeah, it's very cool. I'll have to check that out because I'm not familiar with that one. Um, yeah, we are we are recording on Halloween. Um, so (laughs) honestly, one of my favorite time of the year. So I've been listening to a lot of spooky, scary stuff. Um, but honestly, more often than not, I'm returning to tubular bells from Mike Oldfield. Um, and I know what you're asking, which version, because there's thousands of versions. (laughs) Um, I've been really diving deep into his 50th anniversary collaboration, which has the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra, which also has Omadon Part 1, excerpts from Hargest Ridge and Moonlight Shadow, um, as well as just Tubular Bells, the 50th anniversary, because there's kind of like two versions of it. Um, Ah. Yeah, because there's like one with uh, Tubular Bells 4 intro demo, you know, because I know he's been, that was kind of going to be his swan song, uh, was Tubular Bells 4 that never actually got finished so yeah i've been wow yeah so i've been diving into that there's also a new band that i have found i um i believe they're called lovecraft but it's they've removed all the vowels so really it's lovecraft uh oh yeah laura croft tomb raider is it laura croft no oh yeah i was like well that's what happened to me with like dune and all these other uh bands that remove their vowels or change their vowels around um, yeah. but I'm pretty sure it's Lovecraft. Um, every year since 2019, they've put out an album, um, and it's all Halloween horror based. Um, so I actually found them through the soundtrack to Hocus Pocus 2 because they had Skeleton Sam on that soundtrack and that's kind of like their big hit. So it's just fun, kind of rock, kind of spooky tunes. Um, so that's, that's what I've been listening to. Although this morning, and I'm sure we'll talk about them a little bit more, I have a, a debut album from an up-and-coming uh, band that are re- releasing their album in November. Called uh, The album's called Vamoosery. and. Great name. I am a moose enthusiast. Um, love moose. They're my favorite animal. Um, so this album's called Moving Forward. I, I had a listen, and it's it's pretty good. It's pretty good. More on the rockin' side rather than metal or prog, but um, it's pretty good. It's got some pretty tasty, tasty uh, moments in it. So that's oh, what I've cool. that's what I've that's what I've been listening to. Um, the other thing I've really been diving into which uh, brings us on to our first news point, is I've been listening to a lot of Dream Theater this week. <laughs> Interesting. I feel as though a lot of us have been listening to a lot of Dream Theater recently. I, I'm not quite yes. sure why. You know, it's something Something's in the happened. wind. Something's yeah. happened. 
Yeah. I could not believe my social media feeds when the news dropped that Mike Portnoy <laughs> was rejoining Dream Theater. It was just like, you, I was scrolling down my Facebook, my, my ex, mm-hmm. my Instagram, my discords, everything. My Portnoy, my Portnoy, my Portnoy, my Portnoy, my Portnoy. The same photo, <laughs> the same very, I want to point out, very badly photoshopped image. Oh, it's of, so bad. It's so bad. Back together again. Back. I mean, yeah. it, it looks like the, the state of that image, it looks like they decided to do it. Like they decided Mike was, Mike? Mike one was back in Dream Theater like yeah. an hour before the announcement. And they were like, yeah. oh, we gotta, we gotta put an image with this, haven't we? And it's like, you just, it's, it, it, oh. this is like one of the biggest bits of like metal prog news for like the mm-hmm. last however long. Yeah. Probably since even... Mike Portnoy left the band, at least in yeah. terms of prog metal. Yeah, I've heard that. The other one I've heard is since Neil Peart died as well, I think is yeah. like another big like moment. Um, yeah. And it's like, they couldn't even get in a room to take a f- couple of like photos yeah it reminds me when the only time i've seen mike portnoy with the band live was when they were doing their black clouds and silver linings and the t-shirt that my dad got was the band t-shirt so it had the boys in the band rather than the album cover and i got their like athletic shirt that disintegrated after i put it in the dryer a couple times um but that band t-shirt it feels like they ran that picture through an aging AI algorithm, and that's what we got <laughs> with yeah. the photo that they're using. Um, it's just but, embarrassing. Yeah. Like, I, I think that's <laughs> embarrassing. The announcement, like, very cool, very interesting. But that, like, I'm just like, come on, guys, put in, a, like, a smidge more effort, you yeah. know? I mean, I guess they, they can be lazy, right? Because people lop this up and they're excited, but it's just like... Mm-hmm. Oh, just a little bit of effort, you know, a couple of nice new band photos, that'd be nice. Yeah. Nah, just, you know, yeah. it feels very much like a, a business contract announcement yeah. rather than like, uh, you know, <laughs> the lads are back together again. So until we kind of start seeing that that evidence of they're in the studio, they've, they're recording, they've announced a tour, whatever it is, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's, it feels a little bit early days so far. And it sucks oh. for Mike Mangini as well. Like, well, this is the thing. This is the thing. Cause I've had a couple conversations with individuals about Mike Mangini and I, I knew from the beginning that it was going to be a, like a temporary thing, however long that was going to be. Um, and he kind of knew going in that he was not supposed to be the replacement. He was just the drummer until things kind of simmered down. Um, and that's that's my read on it. Like, I don't have any kind of insider information or anything like that. But just from what I've read about when Mike Mangini joined the band, as Mike Mangini's been in the band, and now that Mike Mangini has left the band, it's, it's always kind of been like, uh, yeah, I knew that this was um, a temporary thing. Um, mm. I, I also, you know, he, the amount of, like, notoriety and status that he's gained while being in dream theater is massive uh he basically has a blank check now for anything that he wants to do in terms of drumming he's already announced a solo record um his first solo record um and anytime anybody needs a drummer at this point like i i I don't know i was i'm i know i'm not necessarily in the minority in this sense but like i never felt like mike mangini was a good fit for dream theater as a dream theater drummer he was a great fit as a dream theater session drummer if that makes any kind of sense like he could play the songs he could keep the tempo but one of the things that made me fall in love with dream theater from the beginning was the like ingenuity and the playfulness that the drums always brought to the songs and Mike Mangini is a powerhouse when it comes to speed, precision, and tempo, but he's not the most creative drummer. He's not the most, I'm going to play outside the box. He's very much, I'm going to play as much into the box as I can, but I want to play super fast, super hard, and get everything that I need to get out. Um, So, like, in that sense, I could see him 
really soaring very, very high with like a speed prog metal band um, and doing some really great stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, who knows, really? You know, I kind of... I, I get the, the the kind of 2010s dream theater, kind of like, oh, then I'll just give with my Portnoy without him, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, I, I kind of was that person for a little while. Um, but then I began to like The Astonishing because I reframed <laughs> how I approached it. And then I really liked Distance Over Time. I was mm -hmm. like, this is a cool album. And then A View From The Top Of The World, I was like, whoa, this is a really cool album. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's, I, you know, the band sound incredibly tight. The drumming is insane, and it's it's like it's just very enjoyable. I think those like last three albums have been really really good. Yeah, and I, I'm kind of like I was looking forward to another Mangini album, and I'm like <laughs> Portnoy's back, and I'm like, oh okay. I mean that's that's cool and that's exciting. You yeah. know, I've, I've personally never seen Dream Theater with my Portnoy, um, mm -hmm. so that'll be a nice little bucket list kind of thing. But um, I don't know. It's it's like I I still get a lot of Mike Portnoy like I was doing some calculations on my yeah, that's um, true. my last FM of like I think if you add together all the Mike Portnoy projects it might be actually my most listened to artist by like length like song length right I gotcha you I add, gotcha add, like my most listened to artist is Ramstein with like five and a half thousand and I think I calculated this to be like three and a half thousand scrubbles like listens mm -hmm, across mm -hmm. um, the classic quote unquote classic dream theater albums across transatlantic sense of apollo neil morse the winery mm -hmm. dogs flying colors like all of these different projects and i'm like no i still get a lot of mike and i think the sons of apollo albums are great and i'm kind of like oh i quite like another one of those but i mean that's that's kind of gone down the toilet so yeah i don't know i was kind of quite happy with how things were honestly but uh <laughs> you know this is a cool a cool evolution um, yeah, sure. and I I one hundred percent agree that like views from the top of the world I thought was them starting to really play super strongly to Mike Mangini's playing style. Like that was one mm -hmm. of the first ones, and I'm like, oh, they're finally using his strengths, you know? Because I would agree that Views is probably their strongest album with Mangini. Um, even though I would say. A dramatic turn of events has more memorable moments and the astonishing is the one that i probably listen to the most just i don't know i'm an astonishing apologist i love the astonishing i think it's so much fun <laughs> um and yeah i'm kind of in the same boat where i was like oh just as dream theater was starting to find their stride with may and genie he's taking his bow and mike portnoy's coming back in um and so and yeah i'm i'm in the same yeah. boat in that like i was never for want of Portnoy material, because, you know, you throw a stone, you're going to hit a new project that Mike is doing. Um, so, yeah, maybe this yeah. will... Yeah. But and I either think way... Mike has made, like, a more interesting... Mike Portnoy, that is, a more interesting career and name for himself by doing all of these other projects. I would I agree. Genuinely, I, I think he's, you know, done work, working with all those other musicians. He's just not a one-trick pony, even though it's, like, you know, he's he's playing similar things in terms of his, his style, but you know, it's it's not just I'm only dreamy theater. It's like, no, I'm all of these other things as well. Um, uh -huh. And you know, we we had the John Petrucci solo album with Mike Portnoy drumming, and you know, they they toured it together. Yeah. I mean, we we both saw that. Um, we did. And we've <laughs> we've had Liquid Tension Experiment Three, which is you know, Essentially. Mike Portnoy, Jordan Rudess, John Petrucci writing music together and, and jamming out. It's instrumental dream theater. So I kind of feel yeah. like if we get a dream theater album now, it's just going to be that with a, some James Labrie on top. Like, I'm not convinced it's it's not going to blow anyone's minds. You know, it's going to be the same mm -hmm. with the Porcupine Tree album that came out. It's like, it's fine, but it's not... I don't know. I'm just not convinced that this is going to be like... The best thing since sliced bread but it's you know it's interesting <laughs> and i'm uh, i'm excited to see whatever whatever they end up doing you know i think yeah. it will be good um regardless you know they're all insane musicians so absolutely and that's that's how i'm entering this whole next phase because like i know that they have stated that they're going to be recording new music in 2024 um so whether we see an album late 2024 or early 2025 I, I hope the fan base tempers their expectation because 
obviously we're not going to get another images and words and obviously we're not going to get a metropolis part three um yeah, you know, that's like right. the best meme I've seen going around. Like, <laughs> Mike Portnoy rejoins Dream Theater and releases Metropolis Part 3. Like, that's, right. that's like, um, I can't think what the website is that does, like, the fake metal news. Um, oh, headlines. Uh, yeah, is it The Hard Times? The I Hard Times, the hard yeah. Times. That's like, that is a Hard Times article title right there. Like, oh, Mike Portnoy rejoins and <laughs> Metropolis Part 3 gets released. Like, yeah. I mean, I think it'd be really funny if they did that. I, like... I think it would yeah. be a very bold move, but funny. But yeah, I, I don't know. Those the, the Dream Theater fan base is a rabid fan base, and yeah, I feel like yeah. a, you know a, a highly critical fan base as well. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's I take hope a lot to, you know my the dust. my yeah my absolute hope is that we get something akin to like falling into eternity, where they have all this backed up music, and they just need to get it out. So they just get it out. And a lot of it will be bangers, but there will also be a couple of clunkers in there um, that they just need to get out so that they can then follow it up with a Metropolis Part 3. Um, that's my hope. Um, but I also know one of the things that I love about Michael, um, Mike Portnoy's influence is that he always kind of has a vision or at least some kind of a direction for each album. So I kind of hope that he's brought that into the recording studio um yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Well, we should probably move on i was gonna say yeah that we talked a lot about like that let's let's move on to about my poor noise um so yeah let's let's talk about um the the last piece of news and then we'll talk about more of like the straight up prog stuff because i think i have a little bit more to say about that um the second piece is that devin townsend uh earlier this week has put out his puzzle movie um when he put out the the puzzle uh back in 2020 um we were actually discussing this before we hit record um this came with the puzzle deluxe deluxe box set that came with the puzzle came with snuggles um and you got this this movie uh this what hour and a little bit yeah uh, and this, like movie? insane cube with like a little screen that was like rechargeable over usb and all of this stuff like what yeah. a cool idea for a box set, but I'm not mm. sure. I mean, given you can still buy them and they were limited to a thousand, chances oh, are they've not sold that well. Because um, they're quite yeah. expensive for what they are, especially for an album that's like, you know, this isn't a classic Devin album that's getting a re remaster or whatever. It's like something new that people don't really know and it's outside of his usual style. So I think yeah. when, he, when he said when he published this, it was kind of like, well... Not many people got to enjoy it originally. It's been a few years. Let's just release it and let's just release it. Yeah, because I think it. I think for a little bit it was available on some kind of a streaming platform, whether that was Amazon or like uh, Apple TV Plus or something like that. But people yeah. could see it through there. But I think we're going to get a lot more eyes on it through YouTube because there's already fourteen thousand views on it, um, and. It was the way that I was able to see it. You know, I I sat down, I gave it a gave it a spin, and um, yep, it was it was um, a thing. Um, it was very interesting in that um, the first half of it is much more kind of like an experimental art film that I really appreciate. You know, almost like not quite a student film, but like very similar to something like that interspliced uh -huh. with what looked to me like AI generated like visualizations. Um, because this was done back in 2020, I have a feeling it probably, it probably wasn't AI. Like he probably commissioned a couple artists and he probably had a lot of fun with his own, um, animation stuff. Um, yeah. yeah. But then the second half, after you get past like the 27 minute mark, it's all stock photo of either landscapes or um, space with the soundtrack very similar to Snuggles. So like in my mind, it's almost a half complete project. And I think specifically for puzzle, like the puzzle album, that was always the point like these are all these incomplete very ethereal thoughts 
that have been swirling around our heads because of the lockdown. And yeah, this yeah. is just I mean, the landscape of that. that yeah, that period of time. That's what I was going for. So yeah, you can watch the movie now if that yeah. interests you. It's it's maybe worth having a little nose if you're a Devin Townsend fan, but again, not you know, it's out there. <laughs> yeah, like as an art piece, it's very interesting. Um, but as a music, um, yeah, it's it's okay. It's fine. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, the last piece of news that I found, um, oh, before we go, I wanted to, just before we move on, um, I follow Mike Portnoy's dog on Instagram, uh, little Mikey, um, and Mikey went into surgery this past week and he's doing all right. So I just wanted to give a shout out to Mikey because, um, he fills my day with joy, uh, Here's this. Uh, it is honestly, my awesome, part. Yeah, I, I yeah my post. It's 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 a cute. <laughs> <dog>. <laughs> yeah. It's a very cute dog. My partner, who like she only knows, um, you know, Dream Theater and Mike Portnoy through osmosis through me. Um, she's very invested in this dog. Uh, she <laughs> gives me daily updates about, about little Mikey. That's so, so wholesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I just wanted to throw that in there. Um, the last, the last piece of news um, going straight into Prague is that uh, Pink Floyd is doing um, kind of a special edition release of Adam Hart Mother. Um, and it's, it's an interesting kind of a release because, you know, we've already done the big box sets of Dark Side of the Moon and Wish You Were Here and The Wall. And we've already had new re-releases of all of their albums on CD and vinyl. Um, But we haven't really gotten any other, like, big deluxe editions of their albums. And when I first heard that Adam Hartmother was going to get a special edition release, I got very excited. Because you may or may not know this, but Adam Hartmother is my favorite Pink Floyd album. Um, it's, I think I might know, I might yeah, yeah, I know it's, I know it's an odd choice, but, um, I don't know. Adam Hart mother has a very special place in my heart. The title track is one of my favorite prog pieces ever. Um, and I will go to bat with the second side as well. Like Alan's, Alan's psychedelic breakfast. I still love, uh, even with all the strange ASMR eating and food related content. I think you made me listen to that at one point. <laughs> <laughs> I probably did. Oh, I, did, I didn't hate it. Yeah. Yeah. I know that some people can't stand it, but I, I enjoy it. Um, so this, this big box set um, is just a CD and a an old film from a concert. They were actually able to find the footage from this old concert that they did in the very early 70s. Uh, as they were promoting this album, um, where they performed fair, um, a pretty big selection of tracks from Adam Hart Mother, but also Careful With That Axe, Eugene, A Saucer Full of Secrets, and Echoes, um, which was on an album that wasn't actually released at that time. Uh, they hadn't released metal. Um, so this, this package has a... Um, Kind of a, a remastering of the original, um, and it's packaged with a um, a new Blu-ray of this concert. Um, so yeah, I think this this might be. I don't know. I think this might be the only kind of big box that we'll get from this because I know it's not a fan favorite, as some of their other uh, releases were. So yeah, just a little. That's fair. Yeah. As a side so, yeah, that, note, I uh, I did yeah. have a little chance to check out some of the stuff from uh, from the new new Dark Side of the Moon record. Oh. And um, oh. Oh, is this the Roger yeah. Waters? Is this the Ro- Roger yeah, Waters? This is the Roger Waters version. Oh, yeah. I Monday. <laughs> like it's like Barry White meets Electric Light Orchestra. Like I don't know how oh. to. And who is Don? Yeah, I just like there was so much. I I don't know. I I I I had uh, some highlights played to me. 
um, and yeah, I listen to Great Geek in the Sky and Money. Um, Money is probably yeah. the track I know the, the best out of out of that album. It's, it's oh boy, what's, it's, what's going on? <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's interesting. I I gave it a listen over the Canadian Thanksgiving. So this was four weeks ago or something like that. And the first time I put it on, I legitimately fell asleep. Um, I think I got halfway through and I couldn't, I couldn't make it. I, I fell asleep. Um, it's, it's not good. Um, it's not good. It's like, I can appreciate what Roger is trying to do with this, but this isn't like a Taylor's version of like fearless, you know, this is this is a Rogers version where he stripped everything that made Dark Side of the Moon special to us, or at least to me, stripped yeah. it out and then crammed in his own ego even more so. Um, so, and then you see the whole thing so low down. It's so it's so just like Barry White. Like I just I just couldn't stop thinking about Barry White the whole time. Yeah. It's like is, is is this a like Barry White's like covering Pink Floyd and yeah. like, what's going on there? Such you know, an interest. Lots of choices were made during oh, that and recording. That's, this is the biggest thing, and I said this in my review for the project. This was the most boring thing Roger could have done in terms of trying to do something new. You know, he has the entire Pink Floyd discography at his fingertips, and he could have pulled a Taylor, like a Taylor Swift, and actually finished "Obscured by Clouds." Because there's some great, great stuff on Obscured by Clouds that unfortunately gets lost because it was a rush recording session. It was a botched mastering session. And what we get is just kind of what was left on the cutting room floor after uh, like kind of a production nightmare. So he could have gone through and actually given us the album that we should have gotten. Yeah. But instead, he, he re-records Dark Side of the Moon, which has been done to death. Like, I have five versions of this album already. I don't need a sixth. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway. Anyway, on to, on to some very... <laughs> um, I actually found two festival watches as uh, we go into our festival watch. One that I'm very excited to talk about and one that I'm sure you'll be very excited for mm-hmm. um the first one i mean both of these i believe are across the pond for me but the first one is bloodstock uh this yeah. is in derbyshire so i know it's just in your backyard um, it is i've always wanted to make it to bloodstock actually i've never never quite made it well now's your chance august 8th through 11th 2024 uh the Friday night, I think, is the one that I think you'll have the most amount of fun at. Um, did you have a look at the yeah, lineup on the Friday night? There's, there's a there's a lot there for me. I yeah. love Green Lung. I saw them earlier this year. They were great fun. Uh, mm-hmm. Clutch. I'm a huge Clutch fan. I think they're such a good fun, like sort of hard hard rock blues band live. And then fucking Opeth headlining. I mean, yeah. brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, and we don't want to discredit the saturday and sunday um saturday we have architects um you know we've got um uh, what is that white chapel that i know of yeah and yeah on sunday uh there's a couple that i know beast in black enslaved mm-hmm. and like Flo- flogging molly is one that i've always wanted to catch live because i know that they're a really good time um mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah it's We've got we've got some tasty acts and, you know, acts are being added like uh, right now. It looks like there's maybe about 15 acts already. But um, yeah, there's definitely more to come. Definitely there's more definitely come. definitely more to come because uh, there's a whole Thursday as well. Um, yeah. And if you scroll down as well on that Friday, you've got um, uh-huh. Igor headlining the second stage. So you've got a bit of a competition there. Igor or Opeth, the, the, eternal, it's hard. the eternal decision. The thing is, I've missed Opeth on their last couple of tours. I, the last time I saw them was the Sorceress tour. And I've just, yeah. I think the the tour after that I missed because I was broke. And then mm. the tour last year, 
I I think I was like I was somewhere else. I was out of the country or something. You know, just like yeah, I've just missed out on Opeth for good like five years now. So I I really do need oh, to geez. I need to get my dose. You know. Yeah, I I think I saw them twice last year. Um, oh. I saw them. I saw them do their... No, sorry, I saw Mastodon twice because Mastodon opened up for Opeth and that's how I saw Opeth because uh, I didn't see them on their Incodum Vinanum tour but I did catch them for this round um, and then I saw Mastodon open up for Ghost. Um, mm -hmm. Very but cool. yeah, um, you can you can finally itch that scratch for uh, some new... some Opeth... Um, Absolutely. Yeah, you know, you know they're going to play their hits. You know, they're going to play their good stuff. At this point, yeah. I mean, it's. I'm. I don't know. I'm kind of not expecting them to do an album at this at this point. Like, it's kind of. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm. It's been a little while, right? 2019, 20 since the last one. Um, yeah, I think it was 2019. Um, so this is the longest. Four to five years. Yeah, this is the longest stretch we've gone since we've had new material i think the longest stretch before this was between uh watershed and heritage i think that mm. was four years yeah um but yeah we haven't but really there's, gone there's this no movement you know they, they got a new drama after that whole kind of like fiasco oh yeah with axes and everything yeah and then yeah. it's like nothing just They've, you know, they've been playing shows and chilling, but yeah. Uh -huh. So maybe, maybe we'll see something from them, but I, I, I don't know. I've not seen anything bubbling, no hints or anything. So yeah, same. I mean, if they if they end on In Caught in Venom, I'll be very pleased because I really like that album. I still will listen to it and really enjoy it. So yeah, yeah. fairly. But We've got uh, a festival here though as well. There is another festival. We got two, two for the price of one. Um, yeah, Radar yeah. Festival have announced a bunch of bands, which is exciting. That's a <laughs> festival that I've been to every single one of, um, oh. and will probably be at this one as well, because it's just a nice festival, to be honest. I've always quite enjoyed it. Um, you know, they've upgraded to a bigger venue this year, so they're, mm -hmm. they're back there again next year. Um, there's a few repeat bands, you know, like the, the top bands on this announcement, Dirty Loops, Pliny Vola, Heart of a Coward. They've all played Radar before. Um, yeah. You know, Dirty Loops and Heart of a Coward have both headlined the uh, the festival before. But they're not headlining this time because yeah. the headliners on the main stage have yet to be announced. So, yeah, yeah there's a there's a big bunch of bands here. And the, the further down the list, the list this goes, like, the more kind of, I'm like, oh, okay, okay. So Conjurer's oh. on there. Ithaca are on there. So Discovery, for me, this year, I really like their album heavy mm -hmm. horrendous stuff like just downright evil sounding metal it's great um and giant walker there right down second from last yeah. um great band great album so yeah there's there's and there's a bunch of other stuff there as well which is like i've never personally listened to and i'm like okay now i've got some I've got some homework because typically mm -hmm. the the bands that radar books you know it's it's all my taste so yeah, I'm yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to this. It's a, it's a good initial announcement, and I'm uh, excited to see who the headliners end up being. Yeah, well, especially when the headline like when you have Dirty Loops, Polini, and Vola on the list, and they're not the headliners. I'm like, well, what do you have in store then? Because those are, in my mind, those are headlining material, unless you have like a really really big act. So. Yeah, I mean, so last yeah. year. Uh, oh, sorry, this year the headliners you had um, Periphery, Igor, and Sleep Token. So that's kind of the mm -hmm. level they were working at. Although, to be fair to them, when Sleep Token were booked, it was kind of before they released the album this year and they really kind of blew up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're kind of looking at your periphery level of, of artists. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm kind of interesting. I've seen rumors people saying our oh, polyphia might be doing it which could be interesting but uh yeah nothing nothing confirmed nothing solid so see what happens we'll see what happens um let's let's close this off with two album reviews um because we were kind of kicking the can in terms of the big reviews um do we want to start with uh the king giz i see that you're representing the king giz tish so I am, yeah. I have temporarily <laughs> stolen this uh, from my partner. <laughs> That's <laughs> what partners are for. Today. Oh, yeah. That's what partners absolutely. are for. 
Um, I feel like more of my T-shirts are getting stolen than I'm stealing. (laughs) But uh, but there you go. That's uh, that's just how it is. That's just how it is. Um, So, yeah, the new... New King Gizz record. Silver New King Gizz, Silver Chord, yeah. Second of the year? Third? Second. second of the year, second. yeah. The first one was the Pedro uh, Druconic, uh, sorry, Petro Druconic, yeah. yeah, the Dragon Album, the yeah. the prog metal <laughs> one. Uh, so, yeah. you know, you know they, they turned 180 degrees and gave us a synth house bop album. Yeah. Um, with this the, one. Uh, the thing I really appreciate with this album is that even though they've kind of completely transmorphed the instrumentation, right? Even like the drums are, you know, using drum synths and electronic kits and stuff. Um, it still sounds like a King Gizzard record. Like the way they, yeah. all their songwriting works, like all of their sort of melodic hooks and everything, it's still very identifiably in their sound and them. Like I don't think even if someone else tried to do a King Gizzard inspired synth album, it would sound as close to them as this does which i, yeah. I, I don't know it's just kind of an interesting observation as i was listening to it i was like oh yeah this just this just sounds like king gizzard um even though none of yeah. them are well i guess none of them, most of them aren't playing the instruments that they they typically do so i think that's mm-hmm. uh i think that's really impressive that they have that kind of unique sound and composition that they you know they they can stick to and it it is identifiably them you know i think that's very cool hmm yeah, absolutely. Um, <coughs> I've been obsessed with this album. Um, I haven't been listen. I haven't been able to listen to too much else outside of this. Um, what I love is that we have a typical King Giz album around the forty-minute mark, seven songs, and it flows beautifully. Like, and they're tackling all these different moods and all these different vibes. Um, almost as if they're like skipping on top of the water for all those, um, mm-hmm. you know, and they infuse it with the King Giz sound and the King Giz DNA, but it's, it's so much fun. And then we have disc two, which takes the idea from each of these songs and each of these songs are like floating around the four minute mark, you know, some are about three minutes and change. Some are a little bit over four minutes, but I think like the average length is about four minutes, um, but then yeah. explodes each of these songs into the 10 minute mark um, that just allows it to almost become like this rave track. Um, like the first track of Thea is over 20 minutes uh, in the extended mix. Um, yeah. Daunting. <laughs> it's and so like it, it itches both of my scratches of a very succinct a very digestible album and then all these massive trance like house tracks that i've also been loving so when i want to sit down and listen to the album i actually enjoy listening to the standard album and then when i want to listen to the individual tracks i'll sit down and listen to the extended mix of those tracks um and yeah i just Fair enough. i love yeah yeah that's so i've been loving it um you know i think king giz knocked it out of the park uh with this one um i think yeah. it's good like i i think the writing's good it's succinct um i like the the little rap section and set i think that's cool. I think that's fun <laughs> um yeah. and i've not listened to the extended edition at all i think i've listened to the extended version of theo once by accident because mm-hmm. it just sort of auto plays and didn't turn it off kept go yeah but i'm i'm very much a like purist of like when i'm getting into a record it's like i don't want any bonus tracks i don't want like any of this other stuff i just want to listen to the studio album so the extended mm-hmm. version coming out at the same time like same day set part of the same release you know double disc here's a bunch of extended version as well i feel like that's kind of you know wait a month and then you've got another mm-hmm. album you know, these guys love putting out albums. Um, no one yeah. thought of that, though, I guess. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like the, the actual, like, standard, I guess, version or like the, the short version is only 28 minutes. Like, it's a it's mm-hmm. a very quick album, um, mm-hmm. but it, there's a lot packed in and it's, it's, it's fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I still have the problem with King Gizzard where there's so much to digest yeah. and it's just really challenging to sort of sink your teeth into a record and get a grip on what they're actually doing what the story is what it's about um 
and it's a sort of like casual King Gizzard fan, it's it's hard to keep up. Um, yeah. And from the people that I know that are like super King Gizzard fans, like, you know, milk every release for thousands of plays and, you know, have everything on vinyl and listen to the bootlegs and all that kind of stuff. Um, you get a totally different experience of the band. You know, it's almost kind of like a bit of a cult at this point, the uh, mm-hmm. the fan base of King Gizzard. And I'm I'm not quite there, but um, everything I've heard, I've been enjoying. And I think this kind of, you know, this is a nice contrast to some of their other stuff. I think it mm-hmm. is... You know, from the other stuff I've listened to, it feels unique, this record. Like, it does stand out amongst the sea of stuff. And I think that's because of the instrumentation. I think that's because of the length. You know, it's a very short and snappy song. So, yeah, it's mm-hmm. definitely, like, one of the more memorable moments in their discography from what I've explored so far. You know, I've not... I don't think I've even covered a quarter. Oh, okay, fireworks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is Halloween. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't think I've even covered like a quarter of this record. Uh, uh, sorry, of their discography, even though I've listened to like I don't know five, six albums now. So yeah, yeah, it's enjoyable, and I'm gonna I'm gonna try and keep up with stuff as they release it. But uh, yeah, we'll see how long that lasts, I guess. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's just so much out there. Oh, absolutely, and even as somebody that's you know a little bit more of a veteran, like I've I started following them really heavily in like 2018, 2019. Um, and then I went back and I covered as much as I can. I would agree that this this album stands out. You know, this is up there with the Nonagon Affinity, with the Polygon Wonderland, uh, with the Fishing for Fishies, and being something that is quintessentially King Giz, but has something very very special within it. Um, like I've I've listened to this one a lot more than the other album that they released this year. Um, even though I loved um, the Petro Draconic Apocalypse, I don't know. I keep coming back to this one. There's something just See, very special about I gave about that one, one another spin earlier today, and I was like, oh, the the heaviness and energy of that. It is a really good album. But, um, oh, I'm not I'm not discrediting that. Like, yeah, 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 I, yeah. I, like both of these albums are probably going to be on my top 10 list for this year. Um, it's just different flavors. I'm just, of, of it's just different flavors. Right? Sometimes, sometimes I want something sweet. Sometimes I want something savory, and yeah. I've got a sweet tooth right now. So, <laughs> speaking of sweet tooth, um, speaking of sweet tooth, sweet yeah. and savory, the the ongoing battle between Pansy Cannibals and Spock's Beard is uh, <laughs> still going, and uh, Pansy Cannibals seems to be winning. They've now got yeah. their fourth fourth studio album out. This is their fourth what? fourth since twenty nineteen. So like Which they're they're banging them out. Like I think 2021 was the only year that they didn't put out something new. Yep. Uh, so Pattern Seeking Animals is back with their fourth studio album, Spooky Dis the Spooky Action at a Distance, I believe is what it's called, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um I I'm gonna go on the record. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on the record here. I've never been a massive fan of Pattern Seeking Animals. Um, I, I really liked their prehensile tales record, uh, the second album, um, their debut and their, uh, only passing through albums were still pretty good. Um, and I would, I would say that same for this one here, the spooky action. Um, but it reminds me very much of the Spock's beard album of like the obliviation particle and floor noise and Mm -hmm. that. It's fine. It's good. It's new music from these very, very talented musicians. But I know I don't know. It's it's for me. It's lacking. Uh, it's kind of like the special spark that some Spock's Beards albums, like X and Brief Nocturnes, and what Rio Okamoto's album from last year, The Myth of Amostrophus, had. You know, there's. For, I didn't hear the big, big catchy moments, those big symphonic moments. The music I still really enjoy, and I get a really a lot of fun out of it. But this album hasn't quite converted me into the Pattern Seeking Animals fan base. Um, yeah, I yeah. don't know. There was just something, something that I, I keep. It's like a dish that I know just needs an extra little spice to really make it special and... I don't think they found it with this album, but it's still all right. It's still, it's a, it's a yummy dish. It's, yeah. Like it just, it feels very paint by numbers. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, I picked up 
um, another fancy animals album earlier this year. Um, only passing through because I was like, okay, I should, I should really give these guys a go, and you know, blah, blah. and I, you know, I struggled to get into that, and I was like, okay, well, I'll give this one a shot, and I've been struggling with this one as well, and it's the whole time I'm just like, why am I listening to this when I could either be listening to a Neil Moore solo album, or I could mm-hmm. be listening to a Spock Beard album, yeah, and this just feels like, I don't know, it's almost uh, filler, like it's just. Yeah, filler box beard material, and it's it mm-hmm. just is like why, why aren't they doing a box beard album? Like why is this mm-hmm. now? Why have they kind of half moved on to this? But there's no Alan Morse, there's no Rio Komoto. It's like you're missing like Adeline and, and Rio are kind of the core of of box beard for me. Like they're so yeah. intrinsic to the sound of that band, and why I find them so interesting. You know, as mm-hmm. well as um, Neil Morse, Nathan Virgilio as well. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of like that grit and bite just kind of is an in pattern seeking animals, even though it's the same um, like songwriter, right? Um, John Bogerholt? Yeah, I, I always I always stumble over his name. Yeah, the main the main engineer and keyboard player, uh, which is interesting. Like he's been with Spock's beard since almost the beginning. Like he's been yeah. with them since like the mid nineties. Uh, was uh, it 2003? Yeah. According to their Wikipedia. Yeah. 2003 to present. Okay. Cause in my mind, he was with the band uh, at the same time that like Kevin Gilbert was in the picture. But, um, and then once Kevin's unfortunate passing, he helped fill the, the shoes kind of as like the, fourth or fifth beetle uh or i guess sixth or seventh spock's beard member um, yeah yeah i mean he if you look at the timings he kind of came into the fold after neil morse left so that's kind of yeah you know where you lost a significant writer in and what neil morse was doing in spock's um and had to kind of fill that gap so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah so, so i i don't know for me that's somebody that is so much a part of the dream um the spock's beard dna I I always expect just a little bit more because he's got I know he's got the skills and I know he has the chops. I'm just I'm still waiting to be wowed, you know, and I felt that way with the last two Spock's Beard albums. The Obliviation Protocol and Floor Noise didn't do anything for me. And yet, you know, and yet Rio Akimoto's album of the Myth of the Monsterfist completely blew me away. Yeah. Like it was so then you wonder, a, like. Yeah. What's what's the issue with Spock's beard, right? Is <laughs> what's going yeah. on? Like everyone's writing music from all the various projects, but Spock's beard just can't seem to to get together and get on with it. You know, they had a tour announced for this year, I think, that should be happening around now. They got they got the rug pulled out from under it. They had like seven mm-hmm. or eight dates, I think, booked um, that are now just gone. Um, yeah. Although supposedly early February next year, Spock's beard are headlining a festival in Europe. So, yes, that's which right. is their first gig in a long time. The, the, the first mm-hmm. of the band's activity in a long time. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that's good and kind of reignites a bit of a spark. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, I, I think, you know, we've not really seen them do anything since long before COVID. I think their last big tour was in 2018. Um, mm-hmm. And then it's kind of just been a couple of bits since then and everyone's just kind of been doing their own thing so yeah i don't know hopefully yeah. this is a hopefully we get some more spock's beard and and not a fifth pattern seeking animals because i i feel like they you know they've, they've, they've done that they, they can take a break on it go back to spock's beard go back to touring yeah i, I know. agree that's that's how i feel about this album you know it's not it's not bad it's it's just i wish it was spock's beard <laughs> and i think yeah. that's like they're never going to get away from that that whole uh mentality with those fans you know yeah no i'm in the same boat you know uh, as i mentioned i was never wowed with anything that pattern seeking animals did outside of the prehensile tales there was one or two tracks off of that that i could really groove to but i would be much more excited if i heard like a new spock's beard release than another pattern seeking animals but they're still having fun they're still writing music and they're still having fun so yeah Anyway, I think on that, we can bring this episode to a close. Any uh, last-minute so. thoughts? Any uh, 
Anything you want to leave the listener with? Oh, um, oh gosh, oh, so many things. But yeah, Put, putting you on the things. spot. Yeah, I. You know what? I'm. I'm going to abstain from answering that question because I think there's so many things <laughs> I could say. It would be too overwhelming, and this has gone on long enough already. Yeah, that's that's fair. Um, if you want to engage with us, um, if you want to hear our spiciest takes, uh, you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, the application, uh, I guess X, the application formerly known as Twitter. Uh, yeah. At the art, art. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The artist formerly known as. Yeah. The artist formerly known as. Um, so we're at metalhead pod uh same with instagram which has retained its name uh to instagram uh at metalhead pod uh if you want to send us an email you know if you want to connect with us uh through an email maybe we'll have like a fan fan letter or fan uh moment uh it's the metalhead pod at gmail.com and uh yeah i would mean a lot to us if you rate and subscribe and like and do all those things for these pod catchers i think spotify allows you to like uh apple podcast allows you to rate and um i think most of them are able to subscribe so spread the word because it means means the world to us and uh yeah grace you want to say our usual catchphrase as we usher people back into their lives oh yeah absolutely um, if they collapse in the hole, then uh, migrate them northwards. <laughs>